Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain. Oops, no, I'm not. I'm Philip Dykes, and this is Kerry McLeod. Who could ever be a best in- best international author like Sandra Champlain? Number one bestseller called We Don't Die, a skeptic's discovery of life after death. Today, we've got a wonderful young person that we're going to interview. Never been interviewed before on We Don't Die. Someone that's brought much healing across the world, afterlife and research, across the world, number one in seminars across the world, Miss Sandra Champlain. Hello. Hello, Sandra. You guys are too funny. (laughs) 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 For those of you who are listening right now on iTunes or one of the uh, platforms there, you're like, who is this guy? Well... (laughs) My best friends, Carrie McLeod and Philip Dykes, the fantastic evidential mediums and tutors, thought it'd be great to turn the camera on me and them to interview me. So that's what this show is about. I don't know where it's going, what's going to happen. You may be listening right now, and we are recording this on video. So if you'd rather see our smiling faces as we sit and drink our coffee, go to YouTube and just type in We Don't Die Radio 330. This is episode 330. So, Phil, back to you. Okay. So, again, the wonderful Sandra Champlain. How are you? Oh, I'm doing very well. Cold winter's morning here in Boston. I've got my cup of coffee and uh, yeah, I'm just snuggled in, got my seatbelt fastened as I feel a little nervous being <laughs> interviewed. So- We were about to ask you, how does it feel to be interviewed for the end of year special edition? It's exciting. I think it's easy for us people to think about what we still have coming up on our plate, things we want to do, and we don't often take time to look back to see what we've done in the past. So I'm excited to share how life has been this past year and, um, you know, one of, the, one of the biggest things I have to say to you both is through everything I've done, I've got the biggest gift of them all. And that's having you guys as two of my best friends. So I'm thrilled well, about that. Thank you. Thank well, you. I was touched. Touched. I don't, I'm lost for words now. That really has hit me. So, so how, how does it feel? What's your year been like? Oh, it's been amazing. You know, I was thinking about it as I was getting ready a year ago. I must have been January. I took an online course about how I'd like my 2019 to go. And I haven't picked up the papers to review it, but I'm really want to acknowledge that some of those things I wrote down really have happened. This has been the first year for We Don't Die conferences. Um, You guys were at all of them with me. We did one in February in in Boston. And one end of March, beginning of April in Orlando, and then another one in August in Orlando. And it's one thing, and, and I know this from many years of setting New Year's resolutions to say that I'll do things, but it's a whole other thing to actually have them complete. So it's looking back and going, oh my gosh, like I said it, this were going to happen, and they did. And that's pretty great because in that, not just do we have ourselves as friends, but we've brought m- several hundred people along with us live. And now we all have this wonderful community. 
and looking forward to doing more of that in the future. Fantastic. So where did the idea come from, from We Don't Die? Where did it all originate and start? Hmm. Let's, let's go back quite a few years. I was somebody who had a fear of dying. That's what started off this whole journey. Never had a strong spiritual faith. I grew up Roman Catholic, went to Catholic school. Never really bought into religion, though. And with this fear of dying, it had me just go on a journey to find something that will rest my fears. Never thinking I would find what I did. And I, the subtitle of the book is A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Because I wasn't just skeptical about the possibility of the afterlife. Is I, I kind of knew that it wasn't possible. And the whole world of mediums and psychics and angels and all those things was just in this airy-fairy world that didn't exist. So to go on this journey, I, I, I was very secretive about it but I really had to get over this fear of dying. I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep at night. It was, it was really awful. Every time my mind was at rest, all of a sudden it came up like, what's going to happen after you die? So I went on this journey and I collected some amazing evidence. And this was back in the um, ends of the nineties and the early two thousands. And there was a part of me that said, someday I'm going to tell people about this. I know I'm not smart enough to write a book, but if I ever wrote a book, the title's going to be We Don't Die. And that seed had been planted in me for since the beginning. So what does it feel like to now be able to see at the start of every one of your episodes, best-selling author of a We Don't Die a Skeptic's Discovery? It's, it doesn't really hit me, to be honest with you. I am somebody who I don't think I have a big ego about these things. I think saying I'm a best-selling author might have people listen who might not normally listen. There is some credibility, I think, behind having some published works uh, in the mind of skeptical people, as opposed to just maybe some person's random YouTube video might be interesting, but suddenly if they have a book, there's, there's more credibility in the world. I, I think it's a man-made thing, um, but I'm just me. So I'm grateful to everyone who's listened to the show, who's read the book. I don't even know how many tens of thousands of books have sold, quite a few, and I'm grateful. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything as far as um, the ego goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what has it felt like to have the journey post-book to hear? Uh, the journey post-book is interesting. When the book first came out, I was still in the land of thinking that people who believe in this weird stuff, that people would laugh at me, people wouldn't like me, I'd lose some of my friends and family, that I'm into this woo-woo stuff. So there was this genuine fear when the book came out about what are people going to think. And for anyone who doesn't know, my day job is I am a caterer, I am a chef. My mom and I have an over 30-year business that we cook for race car teams. 
And a gift that I was given by one of the race car drivers' families who was in a printing business is they created this huge banner that said, is there any proof of the afterlife? Sandra Champlain says yes. And so when my first book came out, they showed up at the racetrack with this huge banner and they said, bring some books. We have a surprise for you. And we set up a book table that had the books on display. And I had absolutely so much fear. I didn't know they were going to do that, that what is this community going to think of me? Because I didn't tell anybody in racing that I was writing this book. So the monumental fear was right there of losing friends and people thinking I'm strange. And guys, I have to tell you, just the opposite thing occurred. There were people coming up to me that had loved ones who have passed away. They had children that have died, um, women that had breast cancer, people that had some kind of fear. And it opened up this conversation because they saw me as a reputable person. And then all of a sudden there's a, a book on the afterlife. And even one of my race car drivers never told anybody a story that he had had one of these near-death experiences where he was in a coma and I think he died on an operating table, but his grandmother and grandfather were there to meet him in a world that was so much more real than even earth. And it made his life seem like it was just a dream. And then he, he chose to come back and he came back in a really painful body. But he said, because I didn't have that fear of death and I knew that we don't die, I didn't have a fear of life. And he said, I could put my foot on the gas pedal and pass people in the, in the corners and things like that. And he says, without the fear of dying, I didn't have the fear of living. And it was that experience that had me realize like that, if I could give that to people by reading a book or now hearing some episodes, it, it's, it's, so much more than about life after death. It's about living life powerfully. And so as time went on since writing the book, this fear of sharing it, it, it totally diminished. Now, there's still some people that give me a weird look. Don't get me wrong. I could be on an airplane. And you know when people say, oh, why are you traveling? And you know, this is business or pleasure. And what do you do for a living? And now I tell people I'm an author. And then, of course, they're going to say, well, what'd you write? And then I have a, always have a book handy with me. And then most people, we engage in a conversation. It's, it's really interesting because I think God, or however you understand God, universe to be, puts people in my path and vice versa, because I'll be with somebody who's just traveling home from a funeral. Or, I mean, I hear these stories and I give away so many books. And it's just been miraculous that I've had this courage now. And there's not a single person that can have a debate with me that I don't back down. I have now over 25 years of research into evidence of the afterlife. I cannot share with somebody in 20 minutes or on a plane ride everything I know but you cannot take away from me the knowing to my core that life after death is real, that we're going to see our loved ones again, that I think our life is for a purpose, you know, um, experiencing emotions and whether you call it an education or not, I do believe our souls grow, but 
you can't take that away from me. So I have this, just this courage and conviction and just this knowing, and it is a different way to live life. So hopefully that answers your question. Miss Carrie. It does. It does. It does. Um, I'm just thinking, cause it's quite a profound story from successful entrepreneur catering within race car. Um, that scenario to the life after that's a huge jump. And like you've explained it, how it's changed your life. Would you say you found God or found that divine or something there within it? Ah, it's a great question. I say yes. Now, it's not the God that sits in a, in a big chair and has a crown in heaven with a big white beard. It is, although I do believe in God, it, more so than just um, like this inner thing that we all have inside of us. So th- there is prayer that has come about in the last many years that wasn't there before. And it is praying to a, a being, a source of it all, but also that this source I have come to experience is within all of us. So we are all tapped into it. And it's, somebody had once said that um, if you imagine lamps, different lamps, there's many, many, many lamps around the world different shapes and sizes and things, but there's only one light. So like different religions and things may have a different lamp, you know, but the, that light remains the same. And I have experienced miracles myself and whether it's through power of gratitude or different experiments I've done or prayers that I've done. And so I do believe that this, spark this divinity is in within all of us and how would you say that's changed who you are how it's changed who i am great question living life in the past i would feel like i was on a ride called life if we can put it that way so i was a passenger And life was happening to me with this information. And I think a lot of it too is training. I've done a lot of transformational courses. I've done a lot of reading about being human, but I live now when I can remember it, because now I still am human and wake up to some bad days and negative thoughts and things like that. But when I can remember it, which is more often than not, I believe and live my life like I'm responsible for all of it. And whether that's true or not, because I know some bad things happen in people's lives, in the moment, it can really empower me. So for instance, if I'm driving down a road and there's a tree... in the middle of the road and that prevents me from getting to my destination on time. And I love being on time. I can get ticked off and angry and upset, or I can say, Hey, Sandra, you chose this road when there are plenty of other roads you could have taken. So that gets me back in the driver's seat and it gets me off of stewing about something that's happened to me and makes me responsible for it. So in the case of living life, if things happen to me that I don't care for, 
I go back to look at what my part was in it. And I think that brings about forgiveness. It brings about understanding. It helps me also look at, look at um, like disagreements with people from their point of view, because I think people are doing the best they can. But I think ultimately I realize, um, and this is what I'm taking on for me. No one has to do this for themselves that my life is, and what I learn is, is for me. And so that final moment that I close my eyes for this last time and awaken in the spirit world. Like I want to look back and say, I went after my dreams. I, I worked through my fears. I was courageous when I needed to be. And I think all of that came from really getting that I'm the source of it all. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to see that real intention behind you because normal what what everyday people we see this personality this this producer that brings life to everybody and touches everyone's soul so to get that really humanistic side to you it's really touching so when did you really discover or believe when was that moment that you thought the afterlife was real and true uh that was a mediumship course i took back in about 2002 maybe it was a a well-known medium at the time that I saw do a stage show and I went into that stage show believing mediums were fraudulent that these people preyed on others for money that was my theory of mediums um and I know you guys are fantastic evidential mediums but I'm sure you come across that with people And I saw this woman give really detailed evidence for other people in the audience that was so specific. It made people cry. And it was not vague. It was really specific information. And I realized the price of the ticket was just next to nothing. She wasn't trying to sell us any book or anything. And I thought maybe there really could be something to this. So I very secretly flew to California and took a weekend course on mediumship with this woman. And she made the bold claim is if you're in this course, you are a medium and I'll show you. Now I show up in California back in the day and didn't fit the mold for the people that were in the room with me. They were wearing these airy fairy angel (laughs) gowns, right? And I had my khakis on and my polo shirt. And I had just so much fear. It was, it was under 20 people there. And one of the first things that she said is she had described that the people in the spirit world, they're people. And you guys know that and say that they're not balls of energy. They're not balls of light. They are human beings. And she said, I want to just demonstrate how you'll be doing these readings. And then she said, we're not really going to do a reading right now, but I want you to use the power of your imagination. And she says, everybody take a partner. And this was just like an off the cuff exercise. And she said, and I didn't know anybody in the room. And she said, I want you to just close your eyes. And she says, I just want you to imagine you're just in this bubble of love. And 
invent that there's a person standing behind your partner. Just invent it. And then just start making up a story and tell them who it is. There might be a message. You might know how they died. You might see different characteristics about them. So I went first, again, because I wasn't having to be a medium. I'm a chef. I'm very creative. I thought I can invent someone. So with my eyes closed, talking to this perfect stranger, I said, I see a man standing behind you. And my imagination put in that he was blonde hair, blue eyes, that he had a big gap in his front, in his front teeth. Uh, his name was Yan. He died of lung cancer. He was from Denmark. I see a fishing boat in my mind. Um, and you know, I'm just telling this story. And I said, and he never told your mom that he loved her. And he had, you know, wants you to give the message. So guys, I opened my eyes just ready to say, okay, it's your turn. And this beautiful woman is just crying. Her grandfather's name was Jan. He was a fisherman in Denmark. He died of lung cancer. He had blonde hair, blue eyes. He had the big gap in front of his teeth. He was a fisherman. And one of the stories she always heard from her mom is, you know, because her mom gave her extra love because her father never told her that he loved her. So where did that come from, right? So that's the thing that had me say, oh my gosh, there, there is something to this. And I wish I could tell you that the rest of the weekend, I was doing these great medium readings, but I wasn't. And my fear kicked in. I thought, oh my gosh, uh, how, how did that happen? And so there were times I did get some information correct, but I didn't leave there wanting to be a medium I left there wanting to learn more about afterlife and what else is possible. But it, within me, I still had that fear. But that's the thing that had me go, this is real. Because if someone like me who doesn't even believe in this could give a, a loved one's information with so much accuracy, it was amazing. Oh, and I didn't tell you, that lady turned to me and was able to talk about my grandfather uh, and how he walked with his cane and his German shepherd and like all these things that I thought, ah, you don't even know me. <laughs> so it was cool. And some shared memories that we had. So that was great. So following your books, I know your book gives a lot of information about your story and your journey. Post book, what are your biggest um, aha moments that have really signed the deal for you that there's life after death? Oh, there's a few of them. Um, right after my dad died, that was, uh, 2010, I went to see a medium who was also a spirit artist. And she not only gave me a, an incredible evidential reading, but she drew a picture of my dad, what he looked like when he was in the air force. And, and she was so cute. Cause she says, it's, she says, it's almost like my dad took her hand and was doing some of the drawing and having fun with it. But the, she gave me some contacts and some a very personal conversation I had with my dad before he passed. That's just not a, a soul alive that could have known that. And then she also said that we get to be our favorite age when we transition, cross over, whatever you want to call it. And so one of the great things too is um, there's scientist Sonia Rinaldi, who's down there in Brazil, and she does some amazing photographs of people in the afterlife filming like energy or static or 
um, she's always doing something, but there was a time where she kept sending me pictures of unknown people that she's captured through her work. And I would paste, post them in my Facebook page. And some people would say, that's my daughter. That's my son. Well, this young man kept coming through that just resembled what my dad looked like in the air force. And I talked to the unseen world and I said, dad, if this is you trying to come through, I said, I need a clearer picture. Because I said, my heart wants to believe it, but I'm just not convinced. And so when I got another batch of these unknown people, there was a picture of my dad that looked very, very close to um, what he looked like in the Air Force. And it's not the exact same picture I have of him. It's similar, but it's like my heart knew that that's my dad. And since then, there's also been another picture that has come through. And then in the original picture, there was another fellow that was... uh, also in the photograph and my aunt recognized him as her uncle and who was best friends with my dad. So that's just one of those things that moves you from a knowing to, Oh, even a deeper knowing. And then um, there's a world called physical mediumship mm-hmm. and trance mediumship, which I am extremely passionate about now. And these are, things though for the skeptical mind it's kind of one of those journeys that you have to go on for yourself because in the in the physical mediumship realm we sit in a circle of people in a dark pitch black room and voices of people can come alive again there are things that float in the air you can be touched by a spirit person uh, and and it sounds totally way out there Um, But it's fascinating to me. And I have witnessed loved ones being able to uh, talk to their people again. In fact, um, at our We Don't Die conferences, it it happened twice now that either the two of you or one of the other mediums we've had there would bring through a loved one through an evidential reading. And then in the darkness of the seance room, the loved one, and I think each time one was a daughter and one was a son, had come through and gotten to speak to the parents again. Mm. And that this mind blowing. It's just it's incredible. So I feel like it's a giant onion that never <laughs> is going to end. That we just, I just get to get, keep peeling back these layers and seeing what else is possible. So I love the adventure of it all. I love my own spiritual growth in the matter. And I, as many people know with episode 330 now, I absolutely love sharing it because if being part of my journey can help you in your journey, realize that the afterlife is real, I'm going to give you everything I've got. But like I said, some of this has to be a personal journey for you if you're interested, because you you can't convince people of things that Mm. they need to experience. Sure. Talking about convincing, I, I, you talked about physical mediumship there, and it was a seance with Scott Milligan. I received a contact, um, and the information was given in that contact that only me and my father knew, um, and it reduced me to tears, a real mess I was sort of thing, but the evidence was incredible. Never have I been given such information like that, um, that was not known, publicly known. We don't have anything on Facebook, but it all came through, and it was incredible. Um, how did you meet Scott? 
It's such a funny story. <laughs> I think, right, that I am in control of my life, whereas I think the spirit world has this plan, and it's pretty amusing, you know? <laughs> like, let's put her there. She's going to think this was her idea. Years ago, I took a course in electronic voice phenomena, and that's recording sounds of background noise or white noise, they call it, and having voices appear. So part of that course, I did receive an unbelievable EVP, electronic voice phenomena message, where I'll just tell you this story quickly. I was recording the sound of raindrops in a cabin alone, and I was, I really believed that the afterlife was real now, but it was that tipping point where do I share this with other people? And so I said to the unseen world, picturing my grandmother, grandfather, aunt and uncle by the foot of my bed, I said, if you guys are real and I'm supposed to tell people about it, I said, I need you to speak very loud and then I'll say good night. So with my little digital tape recorder, I let it record for a minute and then I said into it, good night. <clears throat> so then I put the headphones on and I listen. And two-thirds the way through, I just was filled with goosebumps because on it, it says, good night, Sandra, <laughs> in wow. a man's voice. And then two women whisper, good night, good night. And then a male's voice, good night. And that, that did it. It's like, okay, I'm meant to share it with people. Of course, in that moment, I had this fear that I'm never alone, that, oh my gosh, are there people always watching me? And somebody wrote a book uh, called Do Dead People Watch Me in the Shower? <laughs> and I love that title because I do believe that in the unseen world, they're up to things. But when we need them, they can be back with us in a, in a moment. So the couple that had that course, Tom and Lisa Butler, they do a lot with electronic voice phenomena. They have the website atransc.org. So, um, and that's talking about instrumental trans communication. They started emailing me about uh, physical mediumship. And I thought, oh, no, come on. Now that is too far out there. I mean, that's, come on, you know, people, no way. And they were telling me about this medium called David Thompson and these different seances. And I mean, seances to me was such an awful word because you know, what, oh my God, what are you doing? You know? And then they use the word ectoplasm and I'm like, Oh my God, that can't be real. It can't be. It's ghostbusters. Busters, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I had watched a David Thompson YouTube video that he was in the trance state and he has a person, William, that speaks through mm. him. But when I saw that first video, and that was one of those holy cow moments. Like, I didn't know something like that was possible. And the messages that came through, it was just very authentic to me what I had seen. And so I went to David Thompson's website at the time and just to try to get a handle on what this physical mediumship was. And there wasn't too much on the website. And, but he did have recommended links. And one of the recommended links said, Scott Milligan, physical medium. So I thought, oh my God, there's two of them, right? <laughs> two people that do this. And so I go on to Facebook to see if I can find this Scott Milligan. And I did. And I pressed the button to ask for friendship on Facebook. Now he didn't know who I was, but he said, yes. And I thought, okay, great. You know, now I'm again thinking 
things happen in the dark and seances and ectoplasm. So I had a little fear going in. And because he said yes, I was able to see what he posted on his wall on Facebook. And the most current post was something called uh, Voices of the Past at Banyan Retreat in the Mm -hmm. UK. And it said 99% full. (laughs) (laughs) And in that moment, I was going to be the last person to sign up. And I pressed register. And I had no idea what I was in for. I flew to Heathrow, took a car hire, taxi, an hour, 20 minutes, whatever it was, to this beautiful retreat center. Met uh, Nick and Stephen, who are the proprietors there. Met Scott. Met about, well, maybe there are 30 or 40 people there who were there for this five-day retreat, this workshop on physical mediumship and afterlife things. And I, like this new realm opened up for me. We were treated to two of these seances that weren't at all scary, which I had anticipated they would be filled with love, filled with inspiration, reconnections with people. Um, Eileen Davies was there and she's a fantastic trance medium and evidential medium. Um, Jan Dayton was there, who's now in the spirit world herself, and Nick and Stephen. It was just so magical. And in that moment, I thought, I got, I've got to let people know that this is real. I do. And there are very few physical mediums that are practicing right now. And I'm not 100% sure that they're all authentic. I think physical mediumship was big. You guys know this, 150 years ago, 100 years ago. And through so many wars and so much death, there were a lot of people that prayed on the bereaved. And I think the world of physical mediumship kind of died out. And maybe it didn't die out, but it stayed behind closed doors, people being together with their home circles, not really talking about it too much. And the world of evidential mediumship, I think, was born. Uh, But I just thought, you know, I need to get this out. And so Scott and I, I kept going to all the events at Banyan Retreat. And I thought, this guy doesn't know me, but he's going to someday. But we need to let people know the reality about this. And even so much that we've all discovered how to sit in the power and work with our own spirit team and get stronger spiritually and have that connection for ourselves to the eternal um, or the God force within but I was not going to give up. And, and it happened maybe two years after I met Scott that I got to interview him. And he's become our most popular guest on the show. I think I've interviewed him six or seven times because his stories are always so fantastic. And mm-hmm. as you guys know that he and his partner, Darren, are now our closest friends. We travel together. We have these workshops together. And I wouldn't trade it in for the world. Absolutely. And it was at Banyan that we met. It sure was. It was over alcohol. <laughs> oh, water. Oh. It was definitely water. I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just sitting around after the holiday and across the street, you know, talking about what we are and who we are. And I got to talk to Phil, who was one of the tutors there, and look at beautiful Carrie and who are you. Mm. And that was just one year ago. 
Well, and look what we've created. It's been an incredible year. It really has. So if you were to be able to imagine, in an ideal world, what the next 10 years might hold for you, what might it be? That's a good question. I had once taken a course and we all had to create what was called an impossible promise, something that would give us life. Because if we have something that we have our eyes set on, it seems like our problems can fade away. So people were taking on homelessness, ending homelessness in the world. Again, it's impossible because it may, it probably will never happen, but it's something you give your life for. People were taking on cleaning up the waters of the world. And at that time, I just started looking like I didn't know what my promise would be, but I was really interested in this afterlife thing. So I made this bold promise by the year 2028, all people of the world will know that we don't die, that they're special, that their lives are for a purpose. and there was more to it than that, but just that people would embrace the reality of the afterlife and that would give them power to live life, knowing that they're never alone. Their loved ones are still around them, cheering them on. And even though I created that back in the early two thousands and put it away in a drawer somewhere, you know, I'm looking at it like I declared it and, what isn't the future going to be? And I see that there is going to be a tipping point in this world and no ego attached to this, but myself joining up with some other great afterlife organizations are going to work hand in hand to get the best evidence of the afterlife to people, the best mediums. So part of the 10 year plan uh, is most immediately to do more interviews, to get more um, of these events that people can travel to, more people getting together. It is to have support. I don't want to call them support groups because it's not really support. Let's call them love groups Mm -hmm. that people who believe in the afterlife get to actually meet up in their hometowns over coffee and talk about this and learn more together. Eventually schools will be talking about this because it'll become just a regular conversation. There are, and I know you guys have heard me and even listeners have heard me before that some great people in history, whether it was the creation of the light bulb or the invention of the airplane or even the invention of the computer, people were laughed at thinking that'll never work. These are the people that changed history. So I do believe in the next 10 years, between myself joining forces with other great people in the world of the afterlife, that we're going to cause this tipping point that people will know that we don't die. There'll be a lot more forgiveness, a lot more peace. People will realize that peace begins with themselves. Having a powerful life begins with themselves. That miracles are possible. There's nothing they can't do. So in the immediate, like 2020, along with you guys, we're creating some more live events. 
I am working in partnership with some great people, the AREI, Afterlife Research and Education Institute. Uh, There's a great group called Helping Parents Heal, working with bereaved parents. There's the um, International Association of Near-Death Studies, IANS. And so these things that I said I, I was going to do back in 2002 with my impossible promise, I see that it's actually happening. So it's for looking for those avenues to bring people together, making sure that people who are sitting at home, who have no one to talk to about this, you may be like me. There's, there's very few people in my life that I can, I mean, I'm talking life that I see people day to day that I can be open and share this with. So you may be watching this at home or listening at home thinking, gosh, my family and friends think I'm crazy for believing in this. But I'm out to work with others to help you have friends and family and people that embrace this because it's a whole different kind of living life. How many times do we get together with people and all you hear about is what's wrong, right? That's awful. And what would it be like, like when I'm with Phil and Carrie and Scott and Darren and Sonia that talk about what's right, what we're creating. I mean, you guys have to agree. We have more fun than I would have ever imagined you could have with people. We are a hundred percent free to be ourselves. And so we can work together in this miraculous, wonderful world, but then the, enriching lives that we have, the friendships that we've developed. I think knowing about the afterlife gives us life. And so in the next 10 years, making that possible for all people. And in that, we're going to actually see that happening because we will see our suicide rate going down globally. We will see the amount of people taking antidepressants will go down. Um, We'll see much more entrepreneurs. You'll see more people, the young minds getting involved in afterlife communication, kind of like when the cell phone, the mobile phone first came out, it was this big clunky thing. And then a lot of minds got on it. And all of a sudden now it's really blossomed to what we're doing right here today, this FaceTime, uh, connecting through Zoom, that there'll just be an exponential growth and that someday people will look back and say, could you imagine that people didn't believe in the afterlife? Could you imagine? Like, that's crazy. Kind of <laughs> like when people always thought the earth was flat. So that's, that's where we're going. And I am so grateful to be a humble servant to be able to be part of that. Amen. Mm. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. So as we draw the interview towards a close, Sandra, what would be your words of wisdom or words of support that you would share with your listeners? Mm. Oh, sorry, Carrie, I interrupted you. Mm. There's something I forgot to say, though, in the 10-year plan. And that involves you guys and some other great evidential mediums along planet Earth. There, I think we need to clean up the world of evidential mediumship a bit. There are grieving people that come to mediums and can pay an awful lot of money with hopes that they'll get something, some bit of evidence that their loved one is still around. 
And I didn't realize this until I met the two of you of how much better mediums could be than they know themselves to be. So I don't know yet how to get to them because I know as human beings, no one wants to be told you could be better than you are, but there is a, there, and I, and I don't exactly know how it's all going to look, but to be able to witness an evidential mediumship demonstration with you two goes so far beyond what I've experienced. And I've paid several hundred dollars for a, a medium reading and gotten hundreds of pieces of things that don't fit. And thankfully, like with one gentleman, one big gold nugget came at the end that I got that, okay, there's something to this. But for everyday person that if we can raise the level of mediumship in the world, and I'm going to hold you guys partly responsible to help do that. And somehow we're going to get to mediums that no longer will tell people I've got an M name. I've got a male energy. Like you say, they're people. <laughs> they exactly. still, they're Absolutely. still alive. And to be able to learn how you guys teach. And I know you guys teach people one-on-one. You teach group things. Soon we're going to create some online teaching together that people can really reach down in their emotions and they can really dial in the level of evidence that they bring through with love um, and let people know the difference between psychic readings and mediumship readings. And so that people, when they get a reading, they know it's their loved one coming through. So that's one of the things I want to do with your help in the next 10 years as well. Um, But back to your question about um, any advice going through forward. I think if this is the first time you've listened to We Don't Die Radio, this is the most different one you're probably ever going to have because the table <laughs> on me. <laughs> but there are now 330 episodes and they span the globe with all kinds of different individuals and why they believe in the afterlife. I've had you guys on a few times and talking about your history. And sometimes you, like, you don't have to have a painful near death experience to believe. But I have had, I don't know, 20, 30 people who have had these experiences and to be able to listen and put yourself in someone else's shoes. I don't believe everything that all my guests say. You know, there's all kinds of things that I, I don't quite buy into. I don't buy into that there's evil and negative spirits around. I don't. You might, and I'm not going to argue with people in your belief systems, but I, what I would say is your life is for you. I do have this resource and there are great books on afterlife and other great radio shows. Take from them what's going to empower you in your life. So some bits from a guest might not fit. Well, don't listen to them, but some may fit and use them. Let other people's experiences help you on your belief that the afterlife is real. I think we all have passions and to look to see what you're passionate about, whether it's an afterlife topic or not, but go after your dreams. It's now approaching the end of the year, 2019. I think it's human behavior 
to look at what we haven't done as opposed to what we have done. Take some time, even if it's little things that you don't think make a difference, and give yourself a pat on the back for some of the things that you have done. Not just this past year, but in life, really. And just remember, your brain always picks on what's not done. So I think when we can look at what we have done, that'll give us courage and power to start looking at what we want to do. And for this next coming year, look at some things you want to do, whether it's health-wise or family-wise or exploration-wise or business-wise, write them down. And by power, I think of verbalizing and writing things down. There's clarity. Take a little action when you can, because that action makes the dreams come true. But I say, don't be so hard on yourself. You are at the perfect place at the perfect time. If you were supposed to be somewhere else right now, you would be. Give yourself a pat on the back for all that you have done. Don't be hard on yourself. That's a really big one. And that comes from for me too. But we are each supported by this invisible team of people, loved ones, guides, whoever you want to call them that are your cheerleaders. Phil and Carrie teach a beautiful thing called sitting in the power and closing your eyes and blending with your spirit team. And I think that's kind of like charging your cell phone. You can't make a phone call if you don't have battery, right? So being in life, learning how to sit in the power, and I'd love before we're done, you guys to share your website also. Um, but to develop that connection to the unseen world yourself. And that power can be used for everything you want to do in your life. And I say, as hard as it may be, look at some of your fears. Be courageous. Try some new things. And you don't, I know we'll probably all have regrets when we close our eyes for this last time, whenever that may be. But do whatever we can now on a daily basis when you go to bed at night, you know, to not have regrets. Well, That's my advice. Perfectly put. And I think part of what draws people to you, Sandra, is that who you are here is genuinely who you are in person. How many people meet you and say, oh, my goodness, you're just like how you are on your videos and your radio stations. So it's, it's testament to you being authentically you. I think that's part of what draws people to you. Thanks. And that didn't come easy, by the way. I had taken a course in public speaking, and I practiced it so much, and I knew I had it nailed, and I got in front of the group, and I shared. And I got the lowest score in the class. And that's what had me say, what did I do wrong? And they said, there was no Sandra present. We want you. So that's when I said, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and that, that goes for everybody. When we are ourselves, we're our most lovable. And that's when yes. our light can shine. Because you know what? I've got practice at being the Sandra. Mm. You know, we all do. So be ourselves. You're perfect just the way you are. Well, thank you for being yourself, Sandra. It's Absolutely. been an absolute delight. This is our, I think this might be one of our first interviews. <laughs> oh, you know what I was thinking? 
there may be times, and God forbid something happened to me that I got sick or something, I thought you guys could help keep the show running. Would you absolutely. do that? Ha-ha, absolutely, yes. we would do that. Yes. Fabulous team behind you that would be able to help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you guys don't mind, I just want to turn the interview just a little bit. If, if you guys could share who you are, and we've got a few minutes left what your commitment is and a little bit about, you know, maybe share about your website because, um, and how people can get in touch with you. That's a huge question, Sandra. I wasn't expecting Too that. Too bad. Yeah. Hey, you had um, me in the hot seat this well, time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, for those that don't know myself, I'm Philip Dykes. Um, ooh, my intention is to raise that bar of mediumship as high as possible um, not for egotistical sake, to get the truth out there about the afterlife, that mediums are real, that uh, there are genuine mediums out there, and we can progress to new levels. We, we hit a level um, that we seem to be happy with, but we can push far beyond it and even achieve more and touch people's lives, um, not just through evidence, but through that healing that the evidence brings, um, but just making the most of life I'm, I'm going to echo your words making the most of life really enjoying it to its full and just experiencing different people different cultures and visiting as many places as we can sharing that word mm. i think as well on our journey it's about allowing people to have that spiritual experience we talk there's a number of other mediums as well call it the spiritualization yes. of the self because a lot of mediums are are doing their best for the spirit world and for the public, but there's they've not had that deep delve into themselves that brings that spirituality forward. So that's the reason why a lot of our not a lot all of our work takes the person within themselves because it's only when they understand themselves they can possibly understand somebody else in the spirit world for they are a real person, real experiences, personality, emotions. And we want to do our best for each person in the spirit world. So we allow the people that, that choose to develop their mediumship with us to go within themselves. But it does need that support of the tutor to be ready to step in and support them through those, we call them wobbles. Everybody has wobbles every now and then. So it needs that extra bit in there. It's more than just the mechanics and the, the structure of mediumship. It's about the whole person. So we'd like to take that forward. We'd like to take that to working mediums, people developing their mediumship, and people who have no interest in being mediums but are looking for that way to connect with their loved ones. Yeah. And we've been asked to uh, illustrate some courses for tutors as well um, from different parts of mainland Europe where they want to um, train the tutor sort of thing so again these are the things we're looking at to raise that bar but if people want to find out more they can go to the, the joint website of the Spirit and Soul Foundation co.uk or individually to Kerry McLeod spiritmedium.com or philipdykesco.uk to find out more if they want. Perfect. And just beneath this episode, however you're listening or viewing it, I have your websites as well. You guys are just fantastic. And I just recently took a workshop with you and there were some other people that didn't have any mediumship training, but you were able to help all of us uh, dial in a bit. I mean, I know it's years study and practice that's required, but to have those 
aha moments that I really am tapping into someone psychically or mediumistically, that that's something that you, I think we all get that we are not just the skin and bones we think we are. There's so mm -hmm. much more to us. So I know uh, the three of us are going to be doing some online events that you'll be do, doing mediumship demonstrations. Um, also that you tutor people one-on-one -on -one and that you do readings like this with people from the privacy of your own home, wherever you may be in the world. And you guys are in Scotland right now. Uh, so if you're interested in contacting Phil and Carrie for a reading, you know, you, I think they're the best of the best. So I totally recommend them. They have integrity, which I think mm -hmm. is great. So with that, I think I can conclude this episode because you might not have the script down, you guys, but I'm I don't, so we don't. <laughs> grateful. I really am grateful to everyone listening or viewing right now for taking this last hour and spending it with myself when I was on the hot seat and <laughs> with the beautiful Carrie McLeod and wonderful Philip Dykes. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, the home base for this show is we don't die radio.com and you can look at the events page because we'll be posting the upcoming events both online events and in-person events that we have uh, created or are creating so it'll change it'll be a work in progress but you can visit that you can join what i call our insiders club and that's just my email list and you can get a actually a free copy of We Don't Die. It says just the few first few chapters, but I'm no fool. I want you to have all of it. And as you keep reading, you realize it's the whole book. I have a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief that you'll also get, as that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, but in closing, I just want to say thank you again to my my best friends, Phil and Carrie, for turning the table on me. I think this has been great and <laughs> most you. enjoyable. Yeah, and you, our listener, you can find out a little bit more about me, who's um, usually the interviewer. So in, in closing, this is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio, along with these two fabulous people. I do believe that the life is an education for the soul, that your life here is important. And maybe just leave this episode today giving yourself a little pat on the back. You're special. You're one of a kind. No one has been through the things you've been through. Some of them you might not realize are a blessing in disguise because they might be the thing that will help you help someone else. But give yourself a little credit. Know that the human mind can be a dastardly thing sometimes and looking for what's undone as opposed to what's done. But take some time and just think about what's important to you in your life. You're one of a kind. You can have anything. Your dreams matter and you matter. So I want to thank you for listening or for viewing. And we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.